would to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. We'll be there in a, in a few minutes, but as we have talked about already, <clears throat> uh, let, let me ask you a question. Everybody look this way. <clears throat> would anybody be too terribly upset if we turn these lights off? Okay. Thank you, Chris. <clears throat> when, when you have a mic, those of you that are migraine sufferers know that for me, light light is is horrible. Um, so anyway, I appreciate. Can can it, you still see me on the camera? Yeah. Okay. They should have been here. No, I'm teasing. Um, uh, <clears throat> anyway, I, I appreciate your patience with me. Um, as you can see, our our theme this year is resolved, and <clears throat> we are going to be examining the life of an individual <clears throat> that lived an extraordinary life. Uh, as we unfold his life, I, I hope and pray that you will be encouraged as I have been encouraged. Uh, the life that we are going to be examining is the life of Joseph, if you haven't figured that out yet just by the chapter number. <clears throat> Several months ago, uh, I would say close to a year ago, um, God challenged me to study the life of Joseph. Now, I have read the life of Joseph multiple times. I, I have no idea how many times I've read the, the, the life of Joseph, but I never took the time to study the life of Joseph. So God challenged me to do that, <clears throat> and I. what is the theme this year is what I have taken away from the life of Joseph. Joseph was a man who was resolved. Thirteen, okay, the, the book of Genesis has 50 chapters in it, if you didn't know that. 13 of the 50 chapters is dedicated to this one man's life, Joseph. I mean, you, you think about the book of Genesis. It starts with creation and goes all the way through the life of Joseph. But the last 13, basically the last 13 chapters of the book of Genesis is dedicated to this one man. So that tells me right out of the gate that this man has got something that we need. The journey that we're going to be taking over the next year, uh, my prayer has been that it will be in as, as much as an encouragement to you as it has been to me. I cannot even begin to... I, it would take me probably three years to share with you everything God has taught me through this man's life. I have learned so much. And if I can, my prayer is, and this, and this, is, this, is, this is how my little pea brain works, if I can just share with you a portion, just a small portion, of what God has given me, then I'll have, I will have been successful. But there is something in this man's life for everyone. One of the things that I'm going to be talking about over the course of this, this study is, is I'm going to use this word timeline. 
uh, or journey, his timeline or his journey. We're going to switch back and forth between those two phrases. But this, I believe that the timeline to this man's life is absolutely critical to understanding the life of Joseph. So I have a, I have a simple outline here. I don't know if you can see it or not. Hopefully you can. But this is a very simple outline uh, to the life of Joseph. He starts off by being the, sa- the favorite son. And we'll, we'll talk more about this in a minute. And then he's betrayed and sold into slavery. And then he uh, goes and he's the, 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 the manager, if you would, for Potiphar, Potiphar's household. And then he is lied about and accused of doing things he didn't do. And he's thrown into prison. Then he becomes a, the manager of the prison. And then he is forgotten and left in prison. And then he becomes second in command or well, what I will be referring to as the prime minister of Egypt. Um, that's probably in our society today, that would probably be the best title that we would be able to understand. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt. So in these 13 chapters that we're going to be studying, this, these are the highs and lows. And, and oftentimes... Um, as we look at the life of Joseph, this is what we see. This is, this is, those of you that are familiar with this story, um, this is what we see. Those of you that are not familiar with the story, um, you just keep coming back and you will, you will see God do some amazing things in this man's life. I promise you. If you ever, well, I'm sure most of us have been to cemeteries, right? Uh, me, I, uh, I like to go to old cemeteries. I think it's really cool. Uh, <clears throat> my wife taught me that many, many years ago. But anyway, one of the things about a cemetery is they are full of headstones, right? Uh, and every headstone is going to be different except for one thing. There's almost always on a headstone three things. The date they were born, the date they died, and a dash in between. That dash represents their timeline. And oftentimes you can read a headstone and and if you, like me, um, uh, if you like history, uh, you can go back to, uh, to the uh, East Coast where some of the signers of the Declaration of Independence are buried. And I mean, they, they have big headstones with a lot of writing and different things on them. But most headstones are identified by loving father, loving mother, brother, son, you, you know, and, and we can get a glimpse, if you would, to what their timeline would look like just by looking at their headstone. But every, everyone is different except the dates and the dash. And right out of the gate, I want to challenge you with this thought. What does your dash look like? Because there will be a day Obviously, there was a day when you were born, or if you if that wasn't, don't tell me because you would scare me. 
But every one of us have a, have a day that we were born. Every one of us has a dash. And every one of us is going to have a date that we die. What are you doing with the, with the dash? The timeline. The journey that God has given you. What are you going to do with that? What we're going to be talking about this next year is what Joseph did with that. And <clears throat> on the surface, we can look at this, 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 this life of Joseph and we can say, yeah, he had some hard times in his life, but ultimately the guy ended up being the prime minister of Egypt. And boy, he lived the, 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 I mean, he got it. He got it all. He was the number two man in the world at the time. He had it all. And my question to you is, really, did he? You're going to learn as we go through this man's life that God did bless him. There's no question about it. But Joseph's life was a life of intrigue and mystery, hard times and good times. But the one thing that I have been so impressed upon is that it was a life of resolve. Because when most of us would have quit, he kept going. I believe that everyone is born with a purpose. You and I have a purpose. I believe every human being that is born has a purpose. I believe that. I believe it because of Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 and 14. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Every person, that has ever been born, and every person that ever will be born, God knows and fearfully and wonderfully makes every single one of them. So, if everyone has a purpose, then what was Joseph's purpose? Okay, now, <clears throat> please kind of bear with me here because I'm going to kind of stray a little bit. What was Joseph's purpose? What is your purpose? What is the purpose of the dash that will appear on your headstone one day? Joseph's purpose, I believe God reveals it to us in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. It says this, But as for me... Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it uh, is this day 
to save much people. But I did not choose Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 as our theme verse this year. I, I purposely did not. Even though I believe that this is the purpose of Joseph's life. Joseph, Joseph's purpose in life was to save much people. This, this, this phrase, much people, is referring to his family. What, what would become the nation of Israel? And the purpose of Joseph's life was to save much people or to save what would become the nation of Israel. That is Joseph's purpose. But I felt like Genesis chapter 41 and verse 38 is how Joseph accomplished God's purpose in his life. Does that make sense? Talk to me here. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's make sure everybody's awake. <clears throat> so Genesis chapter 41 and verse 38 is how I believe Joseph accomplished the purpose. Look at verse 38. Now therefore, uh, okay, I, I am, am I at the right verse? No. Okay, all right. Thank you for bearing with me. I was reading the wrong verse. That's why I tell you, when dyslexia, those of you that don't know what dyslexia is, it is really cool. Um, numbers just kind of just bounce around words, just kind of kind of just change places. It, it's really cool. You never know what to expect. <clears throat> okay, verse 38 this time. Instead of verse 34. Um, and Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? So how did, God, how did Joseph accomplish the purpose of God in his life? He resolved to walk with God. He resolved to walk with God. Very few, Joseph is one of just a few, a very few characters in the Bible that nothing negative is said about them. My, to, to my recollection, there's only one other, and there, there may be others, but there's only one other major character in Scripture that nothing is ever negative is ever said about him. That, that's an amazing thing. Some of the greatest characters in Scripture were, were scoundrels at best. But nothing is ever mentioned of Joseph in a negative con connotation. So the, the, the title of my message this morning is really, really simple. Uh, resolved. Resolved. Not very creative, but it's true. 
as we will see and we as we walk through this man's life and 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 try to pick it apart if you would we will see him go through some very hard times and some very very good times but he stays resolved through them all a minute ago i read genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 but uh, as as for you <clears throat> you thought it evil against me but god meant it for good to bring to pass uh, as it is that day to save much people and again i believe that joseph's life the purpose of joseph's life was to save if you would the nation of israel i want you to kind of let that the impact of that kind of sink in what is your purpose you say, but, you, but Pastor, I'm a, I'm a nobody. I, 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 I'm literally, I'm not a Joseph. And my, my question to you is this. Really? You're just a nobody? You cannot get any more of a nobody than Joseph. See, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to stop right here, and I want to look at something very particular. Joseph was born into a family of shepherds. I mean, his 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 father Jacob was was a shepherd. And okay, we're, we're talking about timelines here, so. Let's let's just pretend that this is point A of the timeline. Joseph, in Genesis, where we're going to start here in a few minutes, is 17 years old. He's a shepherd boy. And God has to get him over here to point B, to Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. God has to get a little shepherd boy, 17-year-old shepherd boy, to be the prime minister of Egypt. Think about this. A nobody to a somebody. I don't want to give too much away here. But I will say this. Joseph was the number two man in Egypt. And yet, his Egyptian friends could not eat a meal with him because he was a Jew. The number two man in Egypt ate every meal practically by himself. Think about that. He took a little Jewish boy 
from point A, and God took him all the way through to being the, the second most powerful man in the world and probably the most lonely man in the world. How did he do it? He did it because Joseph was resolved to walk with God. And I'm telling you, if you will resolve to walk with God, God can do great things in your life. Can you put that timeline back up, Chris, please? Okay, here this is, again, this is the when we when we read the book of Genesis, this is what we walk away from. When we when we just read it, we we just read the story without studying the story. This is what we walk away with. This is this is the the simple timeline or journey, if you would, of the life of Joseph. Okay, now. <clears throat> Have you ever watched somebody do needlework? You know what needlework is? Okay. You know, you have a big wooden hoop, hoopy thing and you take string and you do like this. And I don't, I've never done it. I, I, I mean, I've seen people doing this like, whoa, that's really cool. <clears throat> now, I have a picture for you here. This <clears throat> is a picture of needlework. Okay. Now, it, when we read, because we have the story for us, God has given us the story. When we read the life of Joseph, this is, for all intents and purposes, I don't know if this is a good illustration. I'm hoping it is. But this is what we see. We see, we see the finished product. You, you follow me? Because we can read to the end. My question is this. Because this is what we see, but what did Joseph see? See, Joseph doesn't see the finished product. Got another picture for you. This is what Joseph sees. See, you can you can look at that and kind of come up with the okay, there's some little baskets there. But had I showed you this picture first, you probably would have had very little idea what the front looked like. And when Joseph was going through his life, this is what it looked like to him. Do you do you ever feel that way? You ever, you ever stop and say, okay, God, what are you doing in my life? It looks like a mess. And Joseph, as Joseph was struggling through all of the good times and the hard times and the very incredibly difficult times, I cannot help but wonder if he ever thought, man, God, what are you doing? But he was resolved. He never stopped walking with God. And ultimately, can you go back to the other picture? Ultimately, this is what his life turned out like. 
And if we will walk with God, if we will reserve, resolve to walk with God, we can do the same thing. We often get discouraged. We look at the backside of the tapestry of our lives, if you would. And we get discouraged and we, we question God and we say, God, what are you doing in my life? And it's so easy to just give up and say, this is, this is ugly. But we fail to remember that the master artist is working on our lives. Let me, let me encourage you, those of you that are going through hard times right now, because I know personally many of you are. Don't quit. Don't quit. It's so easy. It's so easy to forget that God is still at work in our lives. Don't quit. Be resolved. And as we see and we pick, a, like I said earlier, as we pick the life of Joseph apart, humanly speaking, there are multiple reasons for Joseph to have quit. And those of you that are familiar with the story can probably name a couple of them right off the top of your head. But there were multiple, multiple times that he could have walked away. And we as human beings could, look, could have looked at him and said, you know what, I don't blame you. But he didn't. And because he didn't, and because he was resolved, he was able to save what would become the nation of Israel. I don't know, but I don't believe that as Joseph looked at his life, he understood totally what God was going to do in his life. Especially in the early part of his, 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 his years. He didn't understand it. I'm convinced of that. And I don't even know, even to the very end, I don't think he totally understood everything. And I'm here to tell you, you don't need to know everything. You just need to be faithful. So, number one, <clears throat> resolve. Let's let's look at let's look at uh, Joseph's youth. Let's look at his youth. There is one word that would describe Joseph's youth, and that would be dysfunctional this guy if there was ever a kid that grew up in a dysfunctional home it would be this guy his mom died when he was an early teen his 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 grandfather on his mom's side was a cheat he was a scoundrel at best 
His dad, the, the name Jacob means trickster. I mean, he was, he was, he was a dirtbag. His uncle was a unpredictable, had a, had a, a totally unpredictable temper and hated God. His dad had four wives. That in itself is bizarre. How many of you? Never, never. I don't even want to go there. <clears throat> Just put it this way. I've had one for 40 years. That is, I'm, I'm good with that. <clears throat> His mom died when he was a young teen. So that means that he had to grow up in this home without his mom. Probably the one stabilizing thing that he had was gone. And it only gets better. He had 11 brothers. Unknown sisters. I mean, there's no telling how many sisters he had. But he had 11 brothers. He was number number 11 of 12. So that means he's like way down the food chain. Now, how many of you have an older brother or sister? How many of you got beat up? Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine having 10 older brothers and how many older sisters? I mean, you'd have been a punching bag. And not only, not only did he have 10 older brothers, but they, every one of them hated him. And we will see uh, as we continue through his life that, that, his, that his brothers hated him so bad, they wanted to kill him. Literally, they were, they were going to kill him, but one, one of the 11 stepped in at the last minute, saved his life, and they sold him into slavery. That's how that, that, that these are his brothers. And what made it even worse is that out of the eleven brothers, he was his dad's favorite. Now, parents, don't ever do that. You know, don't don't do that. That's never a good thing to have a favorite. Okay. It just, it, it, yeah. And then his his dad babied him. Dysfunctional is I don't even know that that word even begins to describe the home that he grew up in. Turn over to Genesis chapter thirty-seven. Genesis chapter 37, let's start reading in verse 1. And Jacob dwelled in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons the sons of uh, Belial, uh, Benaiah, Anyway, you can read it. I'm not even going to try. Um, I want the son of uh, Zilpha uh, 
his his father's wives, and Joseph uh, um, brought unto his father um, their evil report. Now Israel uh, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. Lord, I as we speak of this incredible man, help us, dear God, to apply these truths to our lives and help us to be more like you. For <clears throat> we love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Now I do want to say this. <clears throat> even though, and I, I said this earlier, even though nothing negative is mentioned about Joseph, was Joseph perfect? No, he wasn't. Uh, he, he was human, just like you and me are human. And the point of this, this series that we're going to be doing is not that you become like Joseph, but that you become like Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one who is perfect. But we can learn a lot from the life of Joseph to make us more like Jesus. So one of the first lessons that we can learn from the life of Joseph is the fact that we can walk with God no matter what our background is. Joseph walked with God and he came from a dysfunctional home. I've heard people say, but pastor, you, you don't understand the home that I came from. There is no way I can walk with God because of, because of my past. And my, my reply to that is, yes, you can. Yes, you can. So we looked at his youth, and then in closing, very quickly here, let's look at his uh, his walk with God. His walk with God. Now, <clears throat> in verse 2 here, there are four characteristics that I want to talk about uh, in the life of Joseph that is going to set the stage for the rest of the series. Four characteristics, four things that we see in the life of Joseph. Let's read verse 2 again. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding uh, the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of, of uh, Beliah and the sons of uh, Zilpha, uh, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So there are four characteristics, godly characteristics, that oftentimes if we just read this verse, we totally miss. But when when we dig into the life of Joseph, there are four things that are important to being resolved. The first one is this, the fact that he was obedient. Obedience is always key to us being able to walk with God. Joseph was obedient. It was time 
the age of 17, uh, probably uh, maybe even younger, but at 17, Jacob or Israel comes to his son being 17 and says, okay, it's time you learn the family business. And he sends him out to the fields to watch the sheep and learn how to become a shepherd. And Joseph is obedient to that request. As simple as it is, he was obedient to it. The second characteristic that I want to point out is the fact that the first mention of Joseph here in, in chapter 37 is that he was working. So he not only was he obedient, but he was he was working. And, and as we will see through, through Joseph's life over the next several weeks and months, is that all the way through Joseph's life, we see him working hard. And I believe that a characteristic of a, of a, of a Christian should be that we are hard workers. I think Christian... Christians should be the hardest working people at the company you work for. That's just what I believe. And I believe that and I lived it. Everywhere I've ever worked, I have tried to be the absolute best employee I could. Because I believe it's right for a Christian to work hard. So we see we see Joseph's obedience, we see Joseph's work ethic. The first two characteristics are what I would call his or physical. Uh, um, anyway, you, you know what I'm trying to say. The second two are more subtle. And oftentimes, the more subtle characteristics of a godly life are the most difficult. Number three. He did not conform. He did not conform. Every young person is tempted to conform. Are they not? I, I, I remember uh, being a young person. I know that's a long time ago. But I just wanted to just kind of blend in. I didn't, I didn't want to stand out. I just I wanted to dress like everybody else dressed. I wanted to look like everybody else looked. Uh, I, I, I just I, that, that's what we all want to do. Nobody, nobody likes to stand out, but Joseph refused to conform. And what do you mean by that? Well, the first time Joseph, Joseph goes out to the fields to learn the trade of being a shepherd, what do you think took place? His brothers tried to get him to conform to their way of life. And he wouldn't do it. Now, we don't know what took place. But we do know that conformity is what we do. Right? Nobody wants to stand out. But Joseph was not tempted 
to conform. I read, a, I read an interesting article that shed some light on this subject. A psychologist named Ruth uh, Baranda <clears throat> and her associates carried out a, an interesting experiment. What they did is they took 10 uh, teenagers and they and the 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 the, uh, the uh, purpose of this was to bring these 10 teenagers into a room and there would be a teacher in the room with several charts with different measurements on the charts you you, you know what charts are <clears throat> and the teacher would would point at the different at the different measurements on the chart and they they were all instructed that when the teacher got to the longest um, measurement that everybody would raise their hand so as the teacher would go down the chart she would start and then when she got to the the, the longest measurement on the chart everybody was supposed to raise their hand does that make sense hello okay <clears throat> One out of the ten was totally ignorant to what they were really told. Before the ten went into the room, nine of them were separated out and they were told something different. They were told that no matter what happens, when the teacher points to the second longest uh, measurement, you raise your hand. So the one that doesn't know this is in the study is called the stooge, is put in with the other nine. They're put into the room, and then when the teacher gets to the second longest line, everybody in the room, or the nine, raise their hand, indicating that it's actually the longest. Do you know what the stooge does? Follow suit. 75% of the teenagers that involved that were involved in this test, 75% went along with the crowd. Why? Because they didn't want to stand out. They just wanted to blend in. And that is exactly where we all live. Nobody wants to stand out. Everybody just wants to kind of just cruise right along and, and just get along. Not only is conformity, uh, it, you know, con <clears throat> it can be overwhelming to not conform, but nonconformity can actually be dangerous. We live in a society today that constantly pushes conformity. If you don't think like we think, then there's something wrong with you. 
That's what we're taught. If you don't fill in the blank, if you don't do whatever to succeed, go to college, you know, whatever, uh, then there's something wrong with you. If you don't drive a Lexus, you're in trouble. If you don't, you know, if you, and I could go on and on and on. You all know what I'm talking about. My favorite one is in the commercials that say, you need to buy this because you deserve it. That's my favorite. See, we are constantly under pressure to conform, are we not? Do you think that Joseph's brothers put the screws on him to get him to conform? Absolutely. Earlier, I asked you, how many of you had older, older brothers and sisters? And most of you raised your hand. Now, let me ask you another question. Did you ever have your older brother or sister say this to you? If you tell mom and dad... I'll get you. I, I, I've heard, I heard it. And what did you do? You conformed, more than likely. I did, because I knew the beating I would get from my brother was worse than the one I'd get from my mom. I'm just telling you the truth. See, even Solomon understood the pressures of conformity. In Proverbs chapter 1, in verses 10 to 15, he says this, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lie wait for blood, let us lurk privately, uh, privately uh, for the innocent without cause, let us... Uh, swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our house with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk thou, uh, walk not thou in the way with them refrain thy foot from their path. What was Solomon saying? Don't, don't yield to conformity. Don't yield to the pressure. Stand against it. The fourth characteristic that I want to talk about very quickly here, and I'll be done, is the fact that He did not conceal the truth. He did not conceal the truth. Now, some of the theologians that I read kind of threw Joseph under the bus here and called him a tattletale and blah, 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 blah. And and I don't believe that to be true. I, I honestly believe, because Joseph was his father's favorite, that when he returned from the, 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 the shepherd trip or whatever you want to call it, I don't know what they call it, um, that his father sat him down and asked him, well, how'd it go? Tell me about it. Let, you know, well, you know, how did your brothers treat you? Blah, blah, blah. And Joseph was just honest. 
And he told him what really happened. And it caused great division. But he was willing to stand for truth. One of the things that we used to teach our children when they were young is silence is consent. If you don't understand what that means, basically what that means is if you say nothing, you are just as guilty. And so often, I, I, as, I, as I studied this, I saw the scenario play out, and I thought, okay, you know, it's one thing for Joseph to be in that environment and say, you know what, I am not going to partake in whatever they were doing. I can see him saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I, I can see that. But I can also see him coming home and saying, you know what, I'm not going to say anything to Dad just because I, I, I want to keep the peace. And we will hide the truth to, quote, unquote, keep the peace. But it's still the truth. The other day, somebody asked me something, and <clears throat> I, I told them, you know, they, I mean, they just point blank out. I don't even remember who it was or what they asked. But I, I do remember what happened after. <clears throat> because I was on the phone, and my, we were driving down the road. And, and so... I, I answered the question, and then I hung up. My wife immediately says, why did you say that? Because it was the truth. I mean, he asked me a point-blank question, and I gave him the answer. And she's like, well, yeah, but you could have been a little, you know. I, I, you know but the point is this. It's still the truth. And so often, we are so willing to bend the truth to, quote-unquote, keep the peace. Our theme verse, again, I want to share it. Let's read it. Genesis 41, 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? a man in whom the Spirit of God is. Now, I am not the Holy Spirit of God. Hello? I'm sorry I disappointed you. But that's not my job. I'm glad it's not my job. But I do have a question for you. Earlier I talked about the headstones and having a date of birth and the day of death with a dash in the middle. What are you doing with your dash? What are you doing with it? Are you walking with God? For, for lack of better terms, are you bucking the system? And doing what God wants you to do, or are you conforming to the things of this world? As I have studied the life of Joseph, I have been encouraged to walk with God. 
One of the misunderstandings about walking with God, and I'm way over time, I'm sorry. <clears throat> One of the misunderstandings with God, with walking with God is the fact that people think that if I will walk with God, everything in my life will be good. Well, I'm here to tell you that is not true. We saw the life of Joseph. He was sold into slavery. He was lied about. He was uh, thrown into prison. He was he was forgotten. I mean, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But yet he kept walking with God. He was resolved to walk with God. And let me challenge you. Let's be resolved to walk with God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, as we bring our service to an end, I I do ask that you would... that you would help us to look deep into our hearts and examine our lives this morning and see if there's anything in our lives that we need to surrender to you. Could be that there is somebody here this morning that has never accepted you as Lord and Savior. That they, that they are just going through the motions, so to speak. They don't have the relationship with you. Could be this morning that somebody here this morning needs to be saved. Lord, I, I don't know what you're doing in the hearts of, of, of the, our people this morning. But I do ask that you would help us to walk with you, that you would help us to be resolved to walk with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me let me just simply ask you, is God speaking?